That's the second time I've heard that intro music. I feel like we're going to a wrestling match. I'm ready to get into this. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, uh, good morning. My name is Steve Boston. I'm the small group pastor here. And we are kicking off a four-week series today called Dangerous Prayers. And over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to really search into some of those. And the first prayer is search me and then break me and then send me. But before we do that, I felt like I wanted us to start this first week and just take inventory of where we are currently before we get into those dangerous prayers. And so the first question that I want to ask you this morning is, does your prayer life bring glory to God? Does your prayer life bring glory to God? This is a question that I consistently ask myself. I remember back in 1993, I was a volunteer at Auburn United Methodist Church and the youth ministry there. I was 26 years old. I was starting to feel led to go into youth ministry. And I knew at that time that I, my prayer life, I wanted it to go to another level. Because I noticed that a lot of my prayers were just, it had become kind of stale and boring and self-centered. And I just, I wanted to have a lot of prayer experiences. If I was going to go into youth ministry, that's kind of part of the job as a pastor, right? Part of the job description is prayer. And so I was in the same old rut, the same things, the same ways, the same time. And there were times in my prayer where, honestly, I would actually fall asleep during the prayer. You don't have to hold your hand up if, you know. But, and then the next day, I'd apologize and say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I fell asleep. And I felt like he would go, I fell asleep 15 minutes before you did because your prayers are so boring. And I was like, okay, we got to work on this. But it was blessed me, be with me, watch over me, protect me, forgive me, praying for traveling mercies. I would pray that God would bless the food to the nourishment of my body after I ate Krispy Kreme donuts. I mean, that would take a miracle to have that happen. But we've all been there. We've all been at places where our prayer lives were not what we wanted them to be. We've all been at those places where we just said, I feel like sometimes my prayers are not getting out of the room that I'm in. And my mind would wander sometimes during my prayer life. Has that ever happened to you? It'd be like, God, I just thank you that you are the bread of life. Oh, I need to get bread at the store. Hang on a second. And then, oh, God, I just pray for Dave who had that automobile accident that his car needs repair. And I get, oh, and the auto insurance bill. I got to get that paid. Uh, I mean, you ever do that, and so you'd have to make a list so that your mind would not wander. And I would have to say, okay, Lord, where were we? And let's get started again. I also got involved with our youth prayer team. This was a group of adults that got together to pray for our youth ministry. And you got to know one thing. Whenever you get involved with a prayer team of any kind at the church, these are professional prayers. you got to be ready. I mean, these are people that not only know how to pray, but they love to pray. And I'd get in there, and the first thing is we'd get around, and they would say, okay, let's hold hands. And I was like, oh, okay, this is getting awkward. And then the interlocking grip, somebody's always trying to do the interlocking. I'm like, no, I only do that with my wife. That's weird. And you got somebody just squeezing your hand, and the louder they pray, the tighter it gets, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be. And then you got the person on the other hand. I guess I call it the cold fish. It's like, what, what, are you even holding my hand? And then, and then you get into the different people and the way they pray, and there's that guy that quotes all the verses who's got the biblical knowledge. Lord, we just, we just thank you in John 3.16 that it says that you so love the world, you sent your only son so that whoever believes in him might have eternal life, would not perish. And he just starts quoting all these verses. And then there was another guy in there that was like, I'm not going to be outdone. And so they would get into this prayer competition and this prayer battle. And the other guy was like, he's babbling on. And finally, he ended up with prayers like, Lord, we just thank you that you are good to the last drop. And we thank you that your word is like honey in our mouth and it, it melts in our mouths and not in our hands. And, and we just thank you, Lord, that, that, uh, that just like a good neighbor, you are always there. And I'm like, wait a minute, what, what is going on here? 
And I realized at that moment, something had to change. Because the first verse that I came up with was Matthew 6, 5. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to be praying to be seen by others. And so what I realized was, it's okay to have open and honest and simple prayers. But here's the thing. Simple is not the same as safe. The biggest mistake was I was praying too safely. The Bible that I read was full of bold prayers. Acts 4, Peter and John are arrested. They're threatened with their lives, and the believers begin to pray, and they get released, and they come back, and instead of praying for protection, the first thing they pray is, give, give us the boldness to share our faith, and it says the entire building that they were in was shaken. You think about David in the Psalms praying for escape from enemies. You think about Daniel in the lion's den praying that the mountain that the, lion, the lion's mouths would be closed shut. I noticed that people in the Bible prayed out of when they were joyful. They prayed when they were crushed with sorrow. Their prayers were honest and desperate and real. And here I am praying for traveling mercies, to have a good day, for work to go well. I was praying earthly prayers instead of eternal prayers. And so this is what I realized. Most of our prayers have as their main objective personal comfort rather than God's glory. Most of my prayers, most of our prayers, have as their objective, their main objective, personal comfort rather than God's glory. James 4, 2 and 3 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Can you relate to that? It's not that we don't believe in prayer. We do, but sometimes we just get stuck in a rut. We get stuck in a routine. It's the same struggles. It's the same prayers. It's the same way, the same time, and sometimes we don't even pray at all. And if you're like me, you knew that you should pray more and with more passion, more faith. And I wanted to, but I wasn't sure how. And so my prayers remained safe, dull, predictable, boring. And I knew at that moment in my life it was time for a change. I knew God wanted more from me. I was tired of praying safe prayers. And so over the next two years, I began to pray Three short prayers that we're actually going to be discussing over the next several weeks. And those three simple short prayers were search me, break me, and send me. Search me, break me, and send me. And I will tell you that send me was the most difficult for me because I did not want to leave Auburn. I was like, yeah, okay, Lord. You know, first, one of my prayers was like, Lord, I'll go anywhere you send me. Just don't send me to New Jersey. And I don't know why I said that. If you're from New Jersey or have family there or you're watching from New Jersey online, I apologize. I've never been. I'm sure it's lovely. But I just, for some reason, I was like, I just, I don't know why I can't go there. And just to show you that God has a sense of humor, he sent me to Selma, Alabama. So there you go. And we loved Selma. We had an incredible experience at Church Street Methodist there. But I don't know why I got hung up on that one. But we're going to dig deeper over the next three weeks on these three prayers. But I can promise you this. They're simple but none of them are safe. And so the question becomes, why do my prayers need to be dangerous? I mean, think about this. Why would I want to pray for God to search me and then don't, don't just search me and show all the offensive ways of me, Father, but then break me. Break me down to my knees to where I'm just, I mean, and then send me. Send me wherever you want me to go. These are dangerous prayers. And the reason our prayers need to be dangerous is because safe, lukewarm prayers don't draw us closer to God or reveal his love to the world. That's what I've realized over the course of my life. Safe, lukewarm prayers do not draw us closer to God and do not help us reveal his love to the world. 
1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. It's so easy sometimes for our faith and our prayer life to just be on autopilot. You know how that usually works, right? When difficulties hit, we are on our knees. When that difficulty clears up, what do we normally do? Hey, God, I got it from here. Thank you. Appreciate your help. It was awesome. I'll catch back up with you when the next difficulty comes. We get on autopilot, and we just start kind of going through life, and everything happens. And I realized that again back in January of 2014. We had been at Auburn Methodist Church for 12 years. God was blessing our ministry. Some incredible things were going on. And it was right before our winter retreat each year. And we, I mean, it was a bunch of students and adults that went off on this retreat. And I'd been there. And it just hit me again that my prayers had become safe again. They had become stale. They had become boring again. And the scripture that God just kept hitting me with was Revelation 3, 15 and 16. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And as I prayed that day, I remember it like it was yesterday. I just went, God, I don't want that. I don't want that. I want to, I want to get back to those dangerous prayers. Search me and break me and send me. And, and, and I said to him, I said, take me back to that beginning when I went to Selma, when I was completely, utterly dependent on you for everything in my life. And he began to take me back there. And there was a song at that time, came out in August 2013, by Hillsong called Oceans. I don't know if you've heard that song or not. But I want to read you some of the lyrics because it really hit me at that time. It still does today. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. That song just moved me that it was time for dangerous prayers again. And so I prayed those because I knew that safe, lukewarm prayers don't draw us closer to God or help us reveal his love to the world. Because here's the thing, and there's no way around this. Prayers are inherently dangerous. Prayers are inherently dangerous. Jesus calls us to a life of faith and not comfort. Instead of safer and easier and stress-free lifestyle, Jesus calls us to risk loving others more than ourselves. Instead of fulfilling our own desires, he calls us to deny them for something eternal. Instead of living selfishly, he tells us to take up our cross and follow him every day. And so when we seek God in those moments, in that real vulnerable prayer, that intimate time with him, spiritual safety and what's in it for me goes out the window. Because he's inviting us to trust him when we don't know what he will do next. I don't know about you, but that's the hardest part about faith. God, what are you doing here? I can't see it. But he's saying, just trust me. If you believe that I'm good and that I love you and that I'm your father, just trust me. And just know that I'm going to guide you. Some days are going to be blessed. Other days are going to be challenges, opposition, and persecution. But here's one guarantee. I will make you. This is a promise that I know I can make you out of God's word. Every moment of dangerous prayer will be filled with his presence. Every moment of dangerous prayer will be filled with his presence. Those are the kind of prayers I want to pray. Where basically it's so impossible. I'm like, God, I can't see a way. I've got to have you in this. Every moment. Isn't that what we're after? 
Or at least, isn't that that what we should be after? I had two scriptures in the bulletin, and I want to deviate a little bit um, because that was back on Wednesday, and so a lot has happened since then. There's some scripture in Exodus 33 that just blew me away. And just to give you a little background, it's Moses. And they're all getting, they're getting ready to go into the promised land, and everything's getting ready. But at this point, God is pretty frustrated with the people. They've been complaining and arguing, false idols. I mean, it's kind of like when your parents were taking you on a long road trip, and they finally said, I cannot go another minute in this car with you. I am getting out of here. Well, that's how God was. And so he says to Moses, I'm going to give you all that. I'm going to give you and the people all the blessings, the land of milk and honey. I'm going to give you the promised land. I'm going to give you all the earthly blessings. It's all yours. And then he says, but I'm not going with you. My presence is not going to go with you. And Moses immediately said in verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Because here's the thing. So many times we try to attempt, we try, we attempt to try to accomplish the work of God apart from the presence and power of God. I want to say that again. It's so true. Not only in professional church ministry, but in our lives. So often we try to attempt the work of God without the power and presence of God. And Moses knew this, and he said, you can give me all the blessings of the world, you can give me all the earthly stuff, you can give me everything that you promised me, but I want you. And I think sometimes we do that, we're so desperate for God to fix our circumstances and make our lives right, and desperate for God to do this, and this, and this, and this, and God, I'm desperate for you to do this, and all. But are we desperate for God himself? Are we desperate for his presence? And so the question that we have to ask ourselves today is, he, is he your everything? If everything else was taken away from me, is God enough? Is his presence enough for me? That apart from his presence in our lives, we could not even take a step forward. That's what Moses was saying. Without your presence, Father, I'm not going anywhere. Gosh, I pray that we would be a people like that and a church like that that said, we are not taking one step forward unless you're with us, Father. Are we living in that kind of dependence on God? And so the final point is, how do I become a person who prays dangerously? This is the moment where in sermons past, I would get up and I would tell you, okay, here's a prayer acrostic. You know, we've all learned those, right? Pray, okay, praise, repent, ask, yield, acts method, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. We can do the the hand method, remember that one? I could talk to you about, hey, set aside a specific time and place. These are all great things. I'm not knocking any of that. But here's what I've realized through my lifetime. Every bit of that, the acrostics, the setting aside a time and a place, all those things are worthless without what I'm about to tell you. And here it is. It's underwhelming. It's simple but difficult. We must be willing to surrender our will to God's will for our lives. That's what I figured out in my prayer life. That I can have all the best prayers in the world, but if I have not surrendered my will to God's will for my life, nothing else is going to matter. Jesus, Luke 22, 42, he even said this. Before the crucifixion, he said, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. This was not one of the disciples. This was Jesus himself saying, 
I don't want to do this. If it's possible, take this away from me. But look at how he ended it. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Jesus, the Son of God, asked if there was any other way. And he prayed a vulnerable and dangerous prayer of surrender. So here's the thing. Jesus is not asking any of us in this room to do something he has not already done. If he's asking us to surrender our will to to God, he's already done it. He knows how it turns out. There's no reason to be afraid of that. And surrender sounds like weakness and defeat. I know a lot of times people say surrender just sounds like I'm raising the white flag. But the only way to accomplish God's purpose for your life is to do that. And our purpose is real clear. It's Matthew 28. It's the Great Commission, right? I mean, that's why we're on this earth, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So many times we get caught up and we miss our purpose. That is our purpose. Now, how we do that and where we do that and, 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 and all those things look different for everybody. But ultimately, every believer, that is our purpose. And the only way that we're going to achieve that purpose is we've got to be willing to surrender our will to God's will for our lives. And we don't depend on our own wisdom and ability to accomplish things for God. We humbly accept his need for, our need for his wisdom and power. It's like I said earlier, are we attempting to accomplish the work of God apart from his power and presence? It's not going to work. Jesus modeled this. He was God in the flesh, but he lived a life of complete humility and dependence. He, he did what he saw the Father doing. He said what, he, what the Father told him to do. I mean, everything that he did was whatever God wanted. And so surrender means giving control of our lives to God because how can we follow God if he's not leading the way? How can we follow God and pray these dangerous prayers if he's the one that is not leading us. Surrender focuses not, what on, not on what you're giving up, but who you're surrendering to. If we believe that God is good and everything he does is good, and he's our father and he loves us, why would we not want to surrender our will to his will? Amen? Why would we not want to do that? If we believe that with all of our hearts and we knew how much he loved us and that he knows the better way, why would we want to say, of course, God, here it is. But so many times we just want to do our own way. Who better to lead your life than the one who loves you and knows what's best for you? And so if you're frustrated with your prayer life not yielding the results you want, we've got to realize that prayer is not about getting God to align with our will and desires, but changing us to want what God wills and desires. That's what prayer is. It's aligning with God. It's surrendering my life. And y'all, there are days I have to do that daily. I have to re-surrender to God. God, you're asking me to do this? I don't want to do that. And then I have to go and I have to pray, and we have to go back and forth, and I have to re-surrender. Prayer is all about aligning with God. It's so much more than just talking to God. It's wanting his will to be your will in all things. John 15 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Didn't say, apart from me, you can do a few things, Steve. You know, you can do this and you can do that. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. 
I want to close today with a story out of Mark 10 that I've read several times. But it, it caught my eye different this week. And it's the rich young man, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they get into a conversation, and Jesus says, hey, have you kept the commandments? He says, oh, I've kept them all. I've done everything. I've done all the religious stuff, Jesus. Done it all. I'm spotless. I'm, I'm, I'm there. And in verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. He knew what was holding that guy back. He knew that his wealth was a stumbling block. So you can fill in the blank on whatever that stumbling block is in our own lives. But here's the thing that jumped out at me. Before he asked this guy to leave everything behind and say, not my will, but yours, Jesus. Before he asked him to do that, it says it looked, he looked at him and he loved him. He loved him. So many times, I think we feel like God gets frustrated with us, and he's angry, and he's like, why can't you figure this out? Why do you, why, 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 oh my gosh. And we worship a God that loves us, that adores us, and Jesus is not angry with this guy. He's compassionate. He's going, oh, I love you so much. Why can't you see this? Sometimes that happens with our kids. I love you so much. I just want you to understand this. It's not frustration. It's not anger. It's my love for you is incredible. And so he looks at him and loves him, and he asked him to leave everything to follow him. He made that bold request in love. Jesus wanted the best for this man because he knew he had everything on the outside, and he had all the world had to offer, but he knew he was empty on the inside, and he was lacking what really mattered. Jesus loved him and challenged him to abandon it all and follow him. He didn't just challenge other people to leave their own will behind. He did it himself. Again. Jesus has set the way for us. He said, Father, your will be done and not mine. So it makes it so much easier for us to do that. That's why we can't settle for prayers like traveling mercies and, and bless me and keep me and forgive me. Those are all great prayers. I don't mean that in that way. But I'm saying that's, that's not where it ends. We can't settle for that. And so my question for all of us today, myself included, are we ready for more? Are you ready for your prayer life to not be safe? Are you ready for your prayer life to go to a place that it's never gone before to where the only way you're going to get through this is with the very presence of God inhabiting every prayer that you pray? Are you ready to pray daring, faith-filled, life-changing prayers? And I'm not just asking you all that. I'm asking myself that. That's what this series is all about. The next three weeks, we're going to, we're going to pray those prayers. Search me, break me, send me. You need to buckle up and get ready and use this week to prepare yourself for that. As the band comes back up, I just want to give you a little warning, a little disclaimer. I don't want to mislead you. When you pray those kind of prayers, get ready. It's not all going to be puppies and roses, okay? There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be times when you're attacked. There's going to be a time when you have valleys and trials and pain and hardship and discouragement and heartbreak. That kind of stuff is going to happen when you start to pray these kind of prayers because you're going to be thrust into the spiritual forefront of everything that God is doing. And it is a battle. But I will tell you this. The joy of faith, the wonder of miracles, the relief of surrender and the pleasure of pleasing God far, far outweighs anything you're going to come up against. And Jesus was real greater as he 
that is in heaven than he who is in the world. Jesus was real clear. Look, I've got the power and I've won the battle. And I know how the story ends. So my prayer is that we just really take this week to start taking inventory of where we are. And we really take this week to go, okay, God, I want to I I get back connected with you. People are going to be at all places in a crowd like this. There's going to be some of you that are like, Steve, I, I am praying dangerous prayers, and I have, I've got you covered. Great. Call me. I would love to pray those prayers with you. There's going to be people in here that are just going, you know, I mean, I prayed those at once in my life, but right now my prayer life's just kind of, you know, it's kind of middle of the road. And there's some of you in here that are saying, Steve, I hadn't prayed in months. Can I tell you that you have a God that loves you and adores you and wants nothing more than for you to be in him present, for you to be in his presence? And so as we sing this last song, it's called Reckless Love. I just want to challenge all of us to take stock of where you are this morning. And whether or not you want to turn around and, and make your chair an altar and just fall on your knees right there, if you want to move about the room, we're going to have people in the back corners that would love to pray with you. I'll be up here if anybody wants to pray. I just want to challenge you to just surrender today and just say, God, I want to, I want to start 2021 in a dangerous way with you because reckless love is all about that. This song is all about God coming after us and running after us. He loves you and he wants that relationship with you. So join with me this week and let's start to get ready to pray some dangerous prayers. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are holy and wonderful and we thank you for your incredible love for us. Oh God, I just... I pray that all of us would just search our hearts this week and just prepare ourselves. Lord, all these things that we do to pray, the acrostics and, and, and quiet times, they're all great and they're all necessary. But Father, if we are not surrendering our will to yours, then our prayer life is going to be frustrating and it's going to be stale and boring and dull. And that's not what you want for us. Jesus, you told us that I came to give you life and give it to you to the full. How we want to experience that. Would you just come into this place and God, come into our lives and just wherever, whatever we need to surrender to you. I pray during this last song that we would just take that time and do it. God, thank you that you love us so much, that you're not angry with us, you're not frustrated, that you look at us in love and you're saying, my child, I've got so much more for you if you will just trust me when you can't see what's going to happen. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.